And here in the opening games of the division series, road teams are really having some excellent success and jumping out to early leads. I'm so excited about the baseball playoffs that we should do our, our housekeeping first so we don't do 15 yeah, let's, 20 let, minutes. Yeah, let, let, let's do that. Right. That's right. All right. Um, yeah, we're just underway with hour number one here of the Tuesday Drive. Bill, Dan, and Drew here with you at hour number one is brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline, where we welcome your calls, questions, comments. And the number to get you through is 334 321 1390. You can also text the show 334-564-1840 on the drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which is available however you listen to podcasts. Yes, yeah, so um so yeah, I, I was I was jumping in there with baseball because the Braves game just ended and uh the the Guardians out to no. Mariners. It's the Mariners. Yeah. The Guardians and Yankees play tonight. It's the Mariners. I'm thinking of the other road team. Yeah, the other road team in the American League is the Mariners who have jumped on top of the Astros. So the Braves send Max Freed and the well-rested Braves send Max Freed, their ace to the mound. Uh, and the Phillies have to go with their, at best, number three starter in Ranger Suarez. He wasn't you know, dominant by any means, but Max Freed was very hittable early and often. He gave up nine hits in, in three plus innings today, which is very unlike Max Freed. No home runs though, right? I believe it was. No, no, it was, he was like singled, maybe a double or two. There, there was at least one double, but you know, it wasn't that they were pounding the ball all over the field, but they were making good contact and getting base runners and they took advantage something the Braves could not do until the ninth inning when Max, uh, when Matt Olson uh, launches a three-run homer to pull the Braves within one, but they do fall short. Seven-six was the final there in Game One of their best of five. Freed was uncharacteristic. Freed had a hard time missing bats, which you usually mm-hmm. don't say about about the the Braves' ace. He was. Uh, uh, the fastball, I think, was a couple miles off from from where it had been during the season. We'll see if that was just a blip, or or if uh, we'll, we'll first of all we'll see if he gets to pitch again. And, uh, and that's true. That that depends on how tomorrow goes. Tomorrow is critical for the Braves. I know I heard some people go, "Well, the Braves lost their first game last year." That was on the road. That was on the road. You lose game one of a best of five at home. Uh, you are really. In the hole. We talked about this a little bit yesterday with John Samuel Schenker. It's, I mm-hmm. mean, when, when you have, uh, it wasn't just about home field advantage in in this series. It was also about the pitching matchup in Game One. The fact right. that the Braves were throwing Max Freed and the Phillies were down to Ranger Suarez. You're hoping for five innings. You're hoping Suarez can stay. Oh, in the there. Phillies are just hoping that that they're in the ball game as long as when Suarez comes out that they still are in the game. They weren't just in the game. They had a six run lead when Ranger Suarez came out. They showed a graphic during the game that he's he has one of the lowest ERAs in baseball among left-handed starters since the start of the 2019 season to Suarez, but that of course, is not most the of those are out of the bullpen. And and, and it has yeah. not been of late. So I mean, I think that you know, you expected the Braves to have a big advantage today. Instead, Freed gets hit around a little bit, which is uncharacteristic, and now there's a lot more pressure on the Atlanta Braves because not only does home field, uh, you know, it, it plays into Philly's advantage, uh, but you've also got uh, the uh, you know now, now the Braves have to win a game in Philadelphia. 
and the the Phillies pitching matchup you think is the, is the advantage in uh, in, in at least uh, huge. I one mean, one or two of these games. It's huge now. I mean, because the Phillies have uh, Zach Wheeler on full rest to go for game two, and then they have Aaron Nola with an extra day's rest to go in game three, the first game back in Philadelphia. So, so yes, it is. It is critical for the Braves to win tomorrow. Yeah, biggest or game. they may not make it back to Atlanta. Kyle, Kyle Wright has had a sensational season. Yes, he has. For, Fabulous. For Atlanta, and now there is a lot of pressure on the, uh, on the youngster to, uh, uh, who is, uh, who is yeah, coming off the best season of his career. Pitched well in the playoffs, I think, last year. Uh, had, mm-hmm. a, had, a, had a good Yeah, that too. sort of really jump-started him into what a great year he had this year. The only 20-game winner in the majors, right? Braves, Braves probably need him to outduel Zach Wheeler to win this series. Yes. Otherwise, they are going to be under so much pressure. Wheeler, the Atlanta native who began his career in the Braves that, organization. That, that ballpark was going to be a hornet's nest anyway. They've gone a decade plus without playoff baseball in Philly, and now they got the mm-hmm. World Series champions coming in. Even if it had gone 2-0 Braves in the first two games of this series, You're that, right. that third one would have been nuts. Now... There's a there's a little bit of blood in the water, right? I mean, if Philadelphia can win those games, I mean, you think about it, this is this is going to be a, it, it, I mean, already, and I'm I'm not, I, I you know, and and this would have been true had the Braves come back and won this game, like already, highly entertaining postseason for Major League Baseball between the games we got this past weekend and the start of uh, the series today with it with a great game that ended up being yeah coming down to the last at bat between the Braves and the uh, and, and the Phillies uh, after the three-run homer from Olsen uh, came uh, you know brought the Braves and, the, and then after the that a, a great a great play by no yeah. question the star of the game Nick Castellanos who had uh, three hits three RBIs and made a tremendous diving catch to uh, Rob uh, William Contreras which I mean if he hadn't caught that Contreras was going to be in scoring position with one out, but instead that was the second out, and then the uh, the Braves, um, well uh, the Phillies wrap it up, so the the Braves fall seven to six in the first game of uh, in the American League. The Astros send Justin Verlander, who was as good as anybody, if not better than just about anybody in all of baseball this year. It has been a rough postseason for aces. Yeah, you know, think Max Scherzer. Justin worked, Verlander, worked okay. we mentioned Max Freed. Worked out okay for a couple guys in the Padres. Dar- Dar- Darvish and Musgrove. Yeah, but I'm saying... But you're right, some of the other I'm, ones. But, but Scherzer and Verlander, two of the... I mean, that's that's two future Hall of Famers. Absolutely. And and it did, it did not work who, out. Who had really, really good years this year. It's not like, oh, they're two future Hall of Famers who they just sent out there hoping you'd get one more good start out of them. And Max Freed was better than all but a handful of pitchers in the National League. That is right. Season. So, I mean, there, there have been a couple of guys who uncharacteristic maybe it's the new schedule maybe it's just you know it's a small sample i mean it really i mean we're, we're right. talking about a couple of games uh, and uh, look some of these teams that just snuck in some of these wild card teams uh, they got some bats right i mean oh, you, you're I mean, right. some of these teams i mean the the padres and the phillies and the the way the mariners are hitting the ball right now i mean some of these teams that are uh, you know they they got hot enough to to clinch at the very end and, and sneak in in this new format both uh, both wild card teams, right? Both of the uh, the teams in the the, the five and six mm-hmm. won in the National League, and and so uh, yeah, you've got some teams. Well, that are, that's what I mean. It's been tough for the home teams. Yeah, and in most cases, some, some teams. Yeah, some underdogs uh, picking up. I, I we'll, we'll see what that means for the Dodgers <coughs> uh, tonight. That's going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's going to be a great series too. There's, I mean, so much star power in the uh, in, in the Dodgers and the and the Padres, and then that's the FS1 game tonight because. 
Guardians-Yankees makes mm-hmm. sense as the Fox game. And I was telling you earlier, it'll feel like a, a bit of a throwback to the 90s, not just because it's Cleveland and New York in a postseason again, but Bob Costas will be calling that game on uh, on Fox with... Uh, uh, with uh, Ron Darling, I think as the uh, as, as the color guy, but oh, oh I, first time in twenty plus years that, uh, that that Bob Costas calling a playoff series. Here's something I had not heard because I was not listening, but uh, our our, uh, our friend Floyd says Braves radio said in the pregame that Max Fried was recovering from the flu. Oh, okay. Well, if that's the case, why did you start him? Why start him in game one? If you've got healthier guys, just figuring. I, I, well, I don't know. I can't. I can't under. I can't understand why. Maybe they just like the matchup of the lefty against Maybe he felt a couple okay. of the you know, lefty bats against, you know, Schwarber yeah. and Harper. I mean, we don't, we don't know what that recovery was like, right? Yeah, I mean, that's could, true. Could have felt okay enough to, to play, but I mean, was I'm that, recovering from right. knee surgery, but it's been, you know, three weeks. That's right. And you didn't win, you know, 15 or 16. No, I didn't. And uh, I wasn't going to go to the mound either, I can tell you that. 334-321-1390. Love for you to join in. Obviously... Uh, we just wanted to get some of the ba- – oh, I don't think I mentioned the score of the uh, the Mariners and Astros. It was 6-2 when I started to mention that. It's now 6-3 as, yeah, Justin Verlander giving up six runs. And uh, I don't know if he completed four. And, yeah, and, I don't know that he – I, I, no, no, I think it was uh, three-plus. It was, three, yeah, three-plus. And uh, the other AL game tonight – uh, is uh, is Cleveland and New York, like we said. And I think it's a similar situation as the, the Braves were in, where there's a lot of pressure on Garrett Cole tonight. Yes, sir. It, Speaking it, of aces. I mean, if, if Garrett Cole doesn't come through for the Yankees. Now, he hasn't pitched like their best pitcher this year, but he's their biggest name and highest paid pitcher. And, there, and there's, and there's a, I mean, yeah, they have, they have other options. But it's also probably true. I mean, Max Fried wasn't everything for the Braves in the rotation this year, but he was, you know, he, I mean, the Braves were... He's the anchor. He's the guy. I mean, he's the guy they felt they could count on. Garrett Cole, I guess, you know, hey, the Yanks haven't been there in a few years either. Like, the Phillies hadn't been there in 11, but the Yanks haven't been there in a while. And it's like, he's the guy they're paying all that money to to do this. So, so they'll send him. We'll see if that sort of ace jinx continues with him. This evening, all right. So there's some uh, some baseball out of the way. Football, we're uh, you know we're a day closer to Auburn, Ole Miss, and some other really interesting games around the uh, the SEC in the country this weekend. Biggest game in Knoxville in decades. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, would. Yeah. Did Did Butch Jones ever coach a game this big? I did... believe '89 is the last time these two teams were both. Ranked in the top, we're both unbeaten and ranked in the top fifteen each. Nineteen eighty nine. That's 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 pretty remarkable. I mean, yes, it is. Been, I mean, it's been, a stru- it's been a tough stretch for Tennessee in the in that period. Alabama's been ranked in the top fifteen for for quite a bit of the last uh, uh, certainly the last fifteen twenty years or so. But uh, the uh, uh, no, I would I would think it's been a really long time since Tennessee's played a game with with this magnitude. That and, will be the wildest. Um, I mean, because that's a hundred and whatever thousand there at Neyland Stadium that will be going absolutely crazy. What do um do you think Bryce plays? Yes, I do. Do you think Alabama wins? Yes, I do. Yeah, I think I think those two things. I think if Bryce I think if Bryce Young doesn't play, Tennessee may win and win comfortably. Because we've seen Jalen Milrow. I, I told Jaylen, my wife, Jaylen, Jaylen, no, you're you're right. Jalen Milrow can be spectacular, and he will also turn the ball over a little bit. Right. You know, we were we were. I was talking about that with some folks on Saturday. I said, "Look, this Jalen Milrow right now is what Robbie Ashford would look like if he had 
really good players around him. Because if he had much, if he had better blocking and, you know, um, just better players around him, I think he could do pretty much a lot of the same things because he's a great athlete who is a little, uh, uh, a little scatter-armed at times and a little loose protecting the ball. I think the lack of um, the lack of experience comes through. In, yep. In, uh, certainly. I mean, Milrow may... I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. What was the play? It was in the Arkansas game, right? When they were down 28-23. They were up 28-23, and they were about to give the ball back to an Arkansas team that was surging, and that's when Milrow goes... Oh, when he just goes 70 or whatever. Yeah, it's because yeah. 80 yards down the field, you think, oh... But you're right, with his arm. There have been times where uh, it, the, the results have been. Oh, A and M said, "Come on, yeah, beat yeah. us with your arm." And, and he kept A and M in the game with, with mm-hmm. a couple of with a couple of those throws. So I, I would think, I, I think Bryce Young plays now. If uh, it would take an overwhelming game by the Alabama rushing attack to win with Milrow. Yeah, I agree. I, I, think I they, agree. They would, they would have to be as because good as Tennessee is going to score some points. Absolutely. Tennessee is absolutely going to score some points. They're, uh, but the Tennessee defense will give up some as well. And so I, I yeah, I think that I think that is a fun fun game, but I just I've just got a feeling that that Bryce Young is is going to be um pretty healthy. Absolutely. Now, if Bryce Young plays, then the question becomes how important is it even more than usual. How important is it to protect Bryce Young? Because you got a Bryce Young extremely. Co- you got a Bryce Young coming off an injury mm-hmm. on the road in a big game uh, in, in a situation where that Tennessee defense is going to be coming after whoever's playing quarterback for Alabama. And and the other, you know, I think the other intri- intriguing thing about this game is Jameer Gibbs quietly, like as quietly. Good as, as I guess it's quietly. I mean, because people are talking about the you know the, the quarterbacks. Yeah, and, I guess. He's he is been, he has been a huge factor for Alabama. He's been year. he's been as good as anybody in the SEC. Yeah, and, and I would think, I mean, you could look at Alabama, you could look at Tennessee's quarterback, you could look at Hendon Hooker, you could look at Will Rogers as to like who's been the best player in the conference. Gibbs is in the conversation. Like yeah, he's, he's yeah, been I agree. he's been really really. Well, good. I think everybody knew that. I mean, he was he was one of the best players in the ACC last yeah, year at not, Georgia Tech. You're right. It's not too it's not too shocking. Yeah. So uh, so yeah we. Uh, we'd love your thoughts. So, anything on your mind? We've got our one of our regular guests, Barrett Selly. No, he's not. Uh, well, I'm sure he is disconsolate, but it's not like uh, that's you not know, why he's calling. He couldn't be on with us because the Braves lost. <laughs> he had already let me know. No, that he's he's coaching his son in a game um, that that gets started. As a matter of fact, I believe it started. He said it was a five o'clock Eastern start. Oh wow, that 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 means the his his son's game started like. Seconds oh, after was, the Braves lost, you know he was listening, right? Or man, probably watching. He was watching. <laughs> he was probably phone. watching it. You know that. And, and uh, yeah, uh-huh. so Barrett should be back with us next week. But Jake Crane will join us at the bottom of next hour. So that means we're open for the next uh, hour plus uh, with the Kia of Auburn Hotline three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Come on in and join us. A. Now more of the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon, Bill and Dan. And we'd love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise. Let's see. I, I got the uh, the SEC stats today. They're not pretty. 
Not if you're an Auburn fan. No, I can't. I can't imagine there's. I can't imagine there's much in the way of offense that is uh, that, that, that that's going to have you know anything anything positive to report. You know the the, the number the number is pretty bad across the board. And and they're even worse when you look at just conference games, yep. uh, because in uh, uh, overall Auburn is twelfth in the SEC in total offense. In conference play, they're thirteenth. Um, only um, Kentucky and Texas A and M are behind them, but only it's crazy. Um, only only Texas A and M is behind Auburn. Who would think that team that that preseason number sixteen Texas A and M is the worst team in the SEC in total offense? Oh, I was going to say what category? You're using, you're using yards per game. I'm using total yeah. offense. Yeah. yeah, total offense. I think in in scoring offense, I believe Auburn is last in the conference against Power Five teams. Maybe not. Auburn is last in everything. They're last in all games. They're last in. Okay. Yeah. So Auburn, Auburn's offense is Auburn. Auburn, Auburn has the offense. Auburn has the lowest scoring offense in the league at just uh, just over twenty points a game. I wanted to pull up the the number for because because Ferguson had it uh, that it, that it was I think I think they're only yeah, okay. So against Power Five opponents, Auburn is averaging fourteen points per game. Yeah, and in conference, Auburn's averaging right at it fourteen right. and two thirds points per and so game. That, and that's and didn't Auburn finish with what thirteen against Penn State? Was it was it something like that? Was it mm-hmm. thirteen? And so so in the same thing. And then. Uh, the the teams that are average, <clears throat> it's Rutgers, Iowa, and Iowa State are the teams that are averaging uh, fewer points against, against Power, Power Five. Teams. Yeah, uh, the, it's 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 almost unbelievable. You look at that yeah. and it's like we've seen we've seen Auburn struggle offensively, but we've never seen Auburn. I cannot recall Auburn struggling to run the ball um, since you know maybe ninety eight. Was the last time that Auburn struggled to run the ball as much as they have this year? A writer named Max Olson, who uh, covers uh, college football for the Athletic, uh, he has Auburn averaging eight point eight yards on third down this year. Yeah, that is the it was eight and a half going into Georgia, and then Georgia it was a little over nine. So yes, it's just it's right at third down and nine for every third down Auburn faces there are, this season. There are 131 bowl subdivision teams. Would you like to guess how many of them are averaging a uh, Having a higher, to face third and nine, more yeah, than, third higher, more than higher 8. Higher yeah. yeah. Would you like to guess how many? Uh, one of those three teams that you mentioned, maybe. Bowl, entire bowl subdivision, not just power I'm five, saying Everywhere. Oh. Out, of, out of 131 bowl subdivision teams. Everyone well, in, in the bowl. Isn't that what you were giving no, me? Saying, though? No, I was giving you power five. Oh, them. power five. That, that, one, that one with the three, the three teams um, next to Every one of the every out of one hundred and thirty-one, I'd say Auburn is no higher than one twenty-five. All right, so Auburn is last among Power Five, uh, and there are uh, uh, just two teams. So they're uh, one twenty-nine. They're one twenty-nine on average yards to go on third down this season. Uh, UAB and Akron, the only teams. UAB, UAB, uh, just two teams, huh. just two teams uh, facing longer third downs on average this season. So, so it's not just something you imagine. It, if it feels like no, it always Auburn, feels like it's third and long. Yeah, because it is. Oh, always third and long. That's a that's a perception is reality thing. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety is the uh, number to get you through to the drive. We'll get things started with Kareem. Hey, Kareem. Hello, Dan and uh, You know, I called yesterday and I was talking about the coaches. And uh, as everyone was calling in and talking, I thought about something. What if uh, they did go and get two friends? And then he 
go and get Matt Luke, which is at Georgia now. He's, he is our offensive line uh, coach, and he's known to be a good recruiter. Oh, yeah, definitely Matt guys, Luke is a good recruiter. What do you, what do you guys think about that? Uh, well, I mean, that would definitely be a couple of proven recruiters and uh, guys who know the the Southeastern Conference for sure. Matt Luke, I've seen that I've seen that postulated a few times from people saying, uh, you know, that 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 would be an interesting hire for uh, uh, for Hugh Freeze. Perhaps name him offensive coordinator to uh, to allow him to uh, you know to sort of be making a step up. Yeah, Matt, Matt Luke stepped away from Georgia earlier this year, and I think he cited wanting to spend more time with his family as as the reason. He's he's not. I think he's. I mean, he's available right now if he wants to get back into college coaching or coaching in general. Uh, and and I don't think if he if he wanted to do it, I, I think it would be uh, it wouldn't be too surprising to see him join a a Hugh Freeze staff somewhere mm-hmm. if, if Hugh Freeze were to make the jump from Liberty uh, to a uh, to bigger schools. Yeah. Again. Um... And and Hugh Freeze, his name, no matter who is mentioning a few names, Hugh Freeze's name is is mentioned. Um, and I, I don't, again, I'll say it, I, I don't doubt at all that Hugh Freeze would be very interested in the Auburn job. And I know there, there are uh, quite a few Auburn people that are interested in Hugh Freeze. I don't know... The situation with with um, Dr. Roberts, and again, like I said, this is a situation where if uh, you know if you're considering Hugh Freeze as your next head football coach, the the vetting uh, that that is going to have to be done because it's all going to be on that person who makes the hire. If if it works, great. But if it doesn't, everyone's going to immediately know who hired that person who has a troubled past. Let's play pros and cons with Hugh Freeze. So All Hugh right. Freeze... The, the, oh, they're, the, they're, they're quite a few. Pros, pros of Hugh, Hugh Freeze as, as, your, as your program's head football coach. 19 wins in two seasons at Ole Miss. Some of them have been vacated. We'll get back to that. Uh, a lot uh, of them have. But, but he, he did win yeah, 19 games in two years, including even before that, right? He got to Ole Miss and put together the nation's top signing class during the 2012 season. Uh, he won 10 games even before that at Arkansas State. And he had as as good a season at Arkansas State as or better than any of the coaches who have come through there, guys that have gone on and won some ball games at other places. Had a 10-win season at Liberty in 2020 after leaving Ole Miss and had a uh, you know is, is on his way to another uh, successful season this year. He's five and one at Liberty uh, with uh, with some winnable games uh, left on the schedule. So there's a belief that Hugh Freeze can recruit at a high level, and there's a belief that Hugh Freeze, because he won at Ole Miss, uh, could uh, win at Auburn with the resources available at Auburn relative to the resources available at Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean he he is a he is he is a a coach who has won in the SEC at a very. Um, you know, at, at, a, at a difficult situation there early on, um, he is he is a uh, he, he's a coach who has recruited very well in the southeast. He's very familiar with what it takes to win in the SEC. And we're going to come back and talk about the cons. Yeah, because we don't we, have we, enough. We, right. with the music. No, we don't have enough time with the music playing. No, we don't. We'd love for you to join in as well. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive.
Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, again, in case you're just tuning in, expecting Barrett Sully. Uh, Barrett is coaching um, youth, his son in, in a youth game uh, right now. So he said he's sorry about that. He'll join us next week. We will speak with Jake Crane about an hour from now. So the phone lines are open. We were talking as we were going into the bottom of the hour break, sort of the pros and cons for Hugh Freeze. Hugh is familiar with Auburn as well. There's another pro. He had uh, two daughters uh, who attended Auburn, and, you know, and, we, and I believe he has one living here in the area. Well, and we really didn't get too much into like the pre Ole Miss of like how he ended up as you know as a head coach in in the SEC. I mean, he was he was brought in. Did you watch Blindside? That's right. He's the coach from the Blindside. If you you know for the for the more casual fans, he was a head coach in Tennessee Briarcrest High School, and then uh, was hired away uh, to be part of uh, Houston Nuts. Uh, staff at Ole Miss right. in 2006, 2007, and then ended up uh, uh, returning to college football. He went as, to Lambeth, which was yes. his alma mater. And then returned to major college football as right. Gus Malzahn's offensive coordinator at Arkansas State, and then was uh, was re- replaced Gus, or no, was it 2010? It would have been... Yeah, he was Was three. it Harson? No, no, no. I mean... Uh, it was. Um, I think it was. Uh, it wasn't Arkansas State. Or no, it was. It was. Uh, no, you're right. It was. It was not Gus Malzahn. He joined uh, Steve Roberts. Uh, jo- it was. It yeah. was um, he was at. He, he went from Lambeth in '09 to Arkansas State in uh, in 2010. Uh, I'm not sure who he re- who he replaced, but he was there. The you know before Gus. Right, and then then ends up as the head coach at Arkansas State. Uh, he takes over. Uh, for uh, for yeah, who, yeah. So he was, was it was Steve Roberts, and, and then okay, he was up, the offensive coordinator for him. Then he was the head coach, right? And then he uh, and then he ends up uh, taking over as the head coach. I think Steve Roberts retired uh, from from coaching, and uh, uh, Hugh Freeze took over. Hugh Freeze ends up at Arkansas State, and then ends up at Ole Miss. And so, so, anyways, that's that's the reason. You know, familiarity with the South, uh, winning uh, at Ole Miss, especially in his two best seasons, the way he recruited at Ole Miss. And uh, the the fact that he has uh, continued winning at the Group of Five level at uh, at Liberty, I, I would say, would be a brief assessment of why folks would want uh, Hugh Freeze to be Auburn's next head coach if, if that's the direction Auburn wants to go. It's ironic we're talking about this on Ole Miss Week because Hugh Freeze, of course, was the head coach at, at Ole Miss for a while. And as for the cons, you know, I think it, they really get lumped into like three different things, right? There's the question of. Um, how how successful he would be at Auburn because there was some losing in in the resume at Ole Miss even towards the end. You know, even well, after his, his last year, his fifth year, he, he he improved every year till his till his last year. He won seven, eight, nine, and ten his first four years, and then dropped down with a with a uh, uh, a team that was a preseason top ten team, uh, won a couple, and then. Uh, the defense was just terrible. That's he just right. Absolutely had no defense his last year, and then during that year is when the NCAA investigation and everything came up, and then and then we can get into the cons. So, so I was going to say, so there so there hasn't it's, it hasn't been nothing but winning on the Hugh Freeze resume too. I mean, there's 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 reason to have pause about uh, what what kind of winning you would you would do with with Hugh Freeze based on what the resume. Now there have been some. There's been success as well. Uh, then you get into 
the recruiting violations that he was charged with uh, for uh, m- much of his uh, the beginning of his time at o- Ole Miss. Uh, that, that's why he has 27 wins uh, taken off of his win loss record. If you look up Hugh Freeze on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, he's missing. yeah. When you on, on Wikipedia, his record at Ole Miss was 12 and 25. He had 27 games vacated. That's 27 right. wins vacated. Right, including I think all 19 of the wins in uh, in, in two seasons. Uh, was it 15 and? 15 and 16, maybe, or 14 and 15? Uh, actually, they gave him um, a win in 13, a win in 14. He got all 10 wins in 15. Okay, so okay, so maybe he's, it's, it's 9. 16, all, all, all of the wins in 16. He was 5 and 7, and they vacated all 5 of those. Okay, and, and I think 9 wins off of the record from the, from, from the year before. But So he, mm-hmm. he had to vacate some wins for recruiting uh, violations uh, that the NCAA ended, ended up uh, you know, uh, hammering Ole Miss with. And there was also... A uh, a question. So so there's the Houston nut thing, right? It's well, Houston. Yeah, he he sort of took a shot at Houston nut, blaming Houston nut for for a lot of the violations that he was charged with, uh, and and Houston nut uh, and his attorney asked for uh, freedom of information records of his cell phone, and they discovered. Uh, a call to a certain female escort service, and that then triggered the complete investigation, which found multiple calls on university cell phones. Right, and there and there was a question of how forthcoming Freeze had been in the investigation uh, into the uh, into that, and I think that coupled with some of the other things that had happened during Hugh Freeze's time at Ole Miss that led to Ole Miss's decision uh, to fire him. Uh, in uh, I think it was it was it was right before the season started because he that was the weird year right. where Hugh Freeze went to media days right and then was gone before the first game of the season I want to say it was the 2017 season it was 2017 where, where Hugh Freeze yeah was was at media days and then fired uh, after the uh, after after the escort service uh, scandal uh, came to light so so there's I think there's the question of the recruiting violations and because I, I hear and I'd like your thoughts on this Bill I hear folks. Chalk up recruiting as a as a strength of Hugh. Freeze. Well, a lot of folks will say, "Well, now everything's legal, okay. so so it doesn't matter anymore." That's the, that's what some people how how much how some people how handle. much pause should it give you if your success as a recruiter is tainted by NCAA violations? Like how much some how much some credit, but not all. I how mean, much credit should you get as a recruiter? He, he still he still was able to get in and and convince players and their families um, because. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, and nobody else was offering anything either to those players. That's that's something uh, that 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 it's not just folks who are lobbying for Hugh Freeze at Auburn who will tell you that the NCAA came down especially hard on Ole Miss for things that maybe it were happening. Yeah, maybe for beating Alabama a couple of times. And, and some folks would say for me, because <laughs> yeah, because I, I sort of glossed over it, but it was a lot of impermissible benefits. So yes. There is a lot of... Uh, a lot of impermissible benefits, and there was... There was the, some academic fraud. There, there, there was. There, 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 was, there, was. Some, there was some, um, which is not allowed now. You can't do that because... NIL no, you still can't do you're, that. You're still not allowed to have other people taking standardized tests on behalf of your players. You're still not allowed to have, uh, you know, f- you know you're, you're still not allowed to be, you know, the fl- flubbing the facts to get guys into school the, the but the impermissible benefits uh financially that that is something that right that's something that can definitely be taken care of now above board now now a lot of it on the recruiting trail is still supposed to be no you're not supposed to induce players but the way the nil situation is now players can find out what the opportunities are and uh 
that that can sort of be taken care of. Right, but that's I mean, but but yes, Houston has contacts. Houston, uh, Hugh Freeze has contacts. Uh, knows an awful lot of people in the South. So yes, all right. Um, the, the then of course he was he was named coach after a year. He was named coach at Liberty, and um, you know. Uh, uh, Confessed, apologized, uh, and and said, you know, he'd learned a lesson. His family uh, was able to stay together. Fortunately, in your opinion, Bill, as someone who's been around Auburn football for a while, if if Hugh Freeze were to end up getting the job, if, if Hugh Freeze ended up as Auburn head coach, like, do, do you think he would get the players? Do you think it would be? I think so. How do you think it would go? I think so. I think I think Hugh Freeze would be a good recruiter. I think um, uh, I think he would hire a good staff. I just. I'm glad I'm not the one that would have to be making the decision, uh, especially if it were, you know, one of the first decisions I was having to make. That, I, that's just that's the thing, and I, I have, I have no idea how much, um, you know, how much of a problem that would be, or how much. I, I don't know any more than 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 right. what we've said. I don't know the insides. I don't know all the details of everything from this past June. I think it's um, fascinating because I, I, if you're of the opinion, not you personally, but you out there in the radio business, if you're of the opinion that Hugh Freeze is one of the best options available for Auburn, I understand where you're coming from. Not sure I totally buy into that. If you're absolutely not... Uh, he, he is he has failed as a person, and the moral stuff is just it, it's it's beyond the pale I'm, for Auburn. I understand where you're coming from there. I'm I, not ready to go. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm un, I'm just sort of uneasy about yeah. it. It's just uh, I mean, the facts on the field and things I think would be fine. It's sort of like when Jason was talking. Jason Caldwell, who'll be with us tomorrow afternoon, was asked about Lane Kiffin. He said, "Loves him on Saturdays." And then that, I think no that I think that says a lot. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No. I I think it would be. Uh, I mean, I, I'd be fascinated to see how it goes, uh, because you have to imagine that anyone who brings in Hugh Freeze, I think it's similar to Deion Sanders in that anyone who brings in Hugh Freeze is going to be watched like a hawk. Absolutely. On the recruiting trail and not not just by the NCAA but by the conference mm-hmm. and by the other coaches in that conference, you know, especially if they start losing players to that guy. So, no, I th- I think it would be really interesting. I understand why people are really really hesitant and and outspoken against it. I understand why there are some people really in his corner. 3343211390 and and uh, yes, there are definitely other candidates. We talked a good bit about Matt Rule yesterday. Uh, I think that's very interesting. I would like to know more about um, you know his recruiting philosophy because it's really difficult to gauge from Temple and Baylor. Turning Baylor, and from- does he have any contacts? I'm sure. I'm sure he would uh, be able to hire a good staff too. But I mean, I, I have. I have no idea who they'd be. Turning Baylor from one win to 11 wins in three years is interesting. amazing. And and like I said yesterday, and maybe I'm being a little too harsh when I say you'd like a coach with biohazard experience, right? Because someone's going to have to understand. Oh, man, he he turned Temple into a back-to-back 10-win team. Whoever the coach is needs to have, I think, a little bit of experience Mm -hmm. understanding that this is a roster that could be in real crisis, especially if a coaching change is made, right? Like you, you could be seeing a lot of players who were totally bought into Harson, maybe, you know, wondering where their next move is sure. going to be. So you could see a lot of turnover between this year and next year. Oh, no, and you're no gonna question need, you're about need it. A coach who's, who's ready for that and, and ready mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, to, to, to go bring in some SEC caliber players. All right, let, let's get to the phone. We have a full bank of calls and, uh, James is up first. Hey, James. Hey, guys. Hey, um, I got something for you and I'm kind of curious to have your opinion on it. So 
I was having a, we'll just say a, a lively debate today with some Auburn alums, mm-hmm. and they insisted to me that they bought into the media narrative that um, the boosters control the program. And I said, okay, well, if the boosters control the program now, then let me give you this short scenario. So they were in control when Kirby Smart got hired, and then, or did not get hired, I should say, when Malzahn got hired. Right. Okay? Because he, they wouldn't give him total control of the program. All right. So then Stephen Leith comes along, and now he gives them nothing or takes it away from them somehow. Hires Green, then hires Harson. So they lost control, and now they're trying to get it back, or they've got it back somehow magic, magically from they lost it. I that doesn't make any think, sense you know, to me. People want to talk about boosters right now. People want to talk about big money donors or whatever, and that's not the reason it's not working with Harson. No. Like, I'm no, sorry. I, I, I would, I'd be one of the people out there blowing the whistle. If I thought that this this was destined for success, if it wasn't for the boosters, and I'm not like I just it's not it's it, look maybe the boosters maybe booster meddling will will continue to be a problem for Auburn no matter who the coach is. It's not the reason this like it's it's not the reason this thing is headed in the wrong direction. You know what I mean? Like I just I really don't believe that. Yes, I think there I think there is there people from a distance can look and go up. Oh, there goes Auburn again. It's just those those meddling. Boosters and the powers that be. That's what it, but that's what it feels like. And it's like, um, hey, there there are people, there are people that, uh, that want to know what's going on, want to be on the inside and give enough that they deserve to, uh, to have more insight and connections than other people. That's just, that's the way it is. That's life, folks. But, uh, but yes, I agree with Dan. What is happening, what has happened here at Auburn, is not the booster's fault. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly because Philip Marshall has said the same thing, you know. And he's wrote several articles stating, you know, the boosters are not running this program. Why do y'all keep saying that? What is this mythical problem that we have, you know? But another thing, too, I wanted to touch on about that. Just briefly, if I were desperate for Brian Harson to succeed, like if I really, really, really were passionate that this thing was going to get turned around with Brian Harson, if only, you know, you ignored all the evidence to the contrary on the field and off the field, like if I, I suppose maybe it would get to a point where I'd want to blame, you know, mythical boosters and stuff like that, but it would not be, no, I, I just, I don't see it. Like that's not that's not the reason this thing's headed in the wrong direction, and Brian Harson won't be able to turn it around if it's just well, if the boosters all leave him alone. You know that's all it'll take, and 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 this like I just I don't see it. Like it's just it's it's not the it's it's not the way this thing's trending. That's true. That's true. I just I, I don't get I, I just don't get it, and I think Philip Marshall had a good point. He said, "Listen, when boosters or big money people donate to the university, they want to be heard. You know." It doesn't mean you have to listen to them, but they want to be heard. You know, it doesn't mean you have to follow everything they say, but you do have to keep them somewhat happy because you need them for the funding. Yeah, you're going to want you're going to want else. more, most likely too. Well, and, and you need right. them in your corner if you if you put up a six. You're six absolutely season right about that. Or two, and they're on the fence about whether or not to bring you back or not. Like that's right. you know, it, it, it's it's political capital, right? And you, if, yeah. you, if you if you if you burn all of it. 
uh, you know, then, then yeah, you're, you know, that's probably not going to help you in a time of a crisis. Although it might not save Brian Harson in this case because the the things on the on the field, the, some of the more pertinent things are 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 so clearly headed in the wrong direction. Appreciate the call, James. We need to get to our final break of hour number one. Terry, hold on. You're up when we come back here on the Tuesday Drive. Now's the perfect time to get more and spend less with Wow Mobile powered by Reach. Bundle it with Wow Internet and get both for as low as $24.99 a month. Switch and save at Huawei.com. Wow. Available to Wow Internet customers subject to change. Mobile services provided by Reach Mobile. Reach Mobile terms apply. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, and let's get right back to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. And Terry's up next. Hey, Terry. Hey, guys. Guys, winning cures everything. I don't care what anybody says. Winning cures everything. Because I know people back in Talladega, they're still waiting on the bag man to show up. Oh, yeah. So, winning fixes everything. And if I had $40 million coming like Matt Rule does, I wouldn't do a thing. Yeah, Matt Rule can take a year off if he wants, you know, in theory. Absolutely. If there's a great job waiting for him now, you know, who's to say that job is going to be there next year? If there's a particular program that Matt Rule sees something in, you know, maybe he'll strike while the iron is... Right. Maybe a year from now, Oklahoma come calling, Dan. You're right. Maybe maybe a year from now, they're good, but that's a, but that's a pretty big maybe. If you're he Matt, has, there, there are good programs that yeah. can get you right now. Well, of course, and Oklahoma will be in the SEC because he has talked about the Southeastern Conference and the state of Alabama. Uh, as far as football is concerned in the past when he was at Baylor. You know, Terry, something I was thinking about with Hugh Freeze is, and we were just talking about this during the commercial break, like it's going to take, Hugh, Hugh Freeze hit the ground running as a recruiter at Ole Miss, and it's probably going to take something like that for him to fulfill expectations if he were Auburn's next coach. And can you imagine the reaction if Hugh Freeze shows up and immediately starts recruiting like at a top five level at Auburn? Like just, I mean, I, it just feels, it, I, I already... Can sense and maybe it won't matter, right? Because winning, winning quiets all of that. But it it will it will be perceived like Bruce. Winning Pearl, may not quiet the yeah. investigation. Bruce Pearl didn't show up at Auburn and immediately start recruiting at the top five level. Like he had to win, and then you know players like that started coming. Like if you freeze shows up and immediately starts uh, recruiting uh, like like a superpower, I just I just wonder if people are, are you know it's it's going to be. Suspected uh, illegitimacy could be suspected. Impropriety. Oh, you can bet that's could, coming. Could be suspected, and not just by fans, but by people who matter in those situations. Are you going to hear at the NCAA and conference level? You're going to hear. There goes Auburn again. Yep, that's what you're going to hear. And did you guys hear the Max Roundtable today? Um, yeah, I heard most of it. Yeah, I heard. Doug made a great point about the amount of coaches other schools have had. You never hear about them. Florida's had seven coaches in the past ten years. Yeah. Yeah. So people never talk about that. No, I mean Auburn doesn't change. Auburn, again. Auburn doesn't change coaches. Um, you know, over if you look at the immediate, I mean, you can go back over fifteen years now. It looks like Auburn could be on their fifth coach in fifteen years. But that would be, you know, you, you, Tommy Tuberville in his last year, then four years of Gene Chiswick, eight of Gus, two of Brian Harson, and then say add another one. But I mean, most schools have gone through stretches where they've done at least that. Over the last and, couple of decades. And really, the only questionable coaching move Auburn's made in 20 years is Gus, because he was over 500 in his final year. You look at the last year at Tuberville, or the last year at Chiswick, uh, or this, oh, those, or those this were just, season. Those were awful like, teams. It, it would have been, yeah. been real tough to make the argument to bring the guy back. 
Yeah, he went three. Uh, Chizik went three and nine, and Gus went eleven and two with that team the next year, right? Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a void of talent. That's kind of why I see this team now. It's a bad football team, but the, the, the turnaround with NIL and the transfer portal, I think it'd be quick. It can be. I mean, you've seen what's happened at Tennessee. So I mean, right. and they had thirty right. something players leave. If it's not quick, sure. then it's going to be someone else. You know, going right. going and getting to make the quick. You're right. There's because of the portal, and, and I think because of some of the winning that other people in the league. And we appreciate the phone call, Terry. So because of some of that, the the clock has been accelerated. People really, really, you know, they're not patient like they used mm-hmm. to be for, uh, for for unless it's been unless things have been terrible for a long time, and then someone gets some patience. But oh if, yeah, if you have a if you've won recently, yeah then the winning is expected immediately, if not sooner. All right, we'll get to our top-of-the-hour break. Another half an hour of open lines before we get to Jake Crane. And we've got calls holding. Stick with us as we head into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. Hello there. I'm Mark Robbins. The baseball divisional playoffs are underway right now in Seattle. Bottom of the six, and the Mariners lead the Astros in game one. 6-3, all six runs coming against Justin Verlander. You can hear this one in every postseason baseball game right through the World Series on ESPN Radio. Earlier, game one of the National League Series between the Phillies and the Braves. Philadelphia able to build a big lead at Atlanta. And Segura, who missed a considerable amount of time when he came back again, the Phillies offense in much better shape. He lines a shot right back up the middle. That's into the outfield. Harris will throw home. Here's the play. Safe at the plate. Castellano slapped the home plate with his left hand just ahead of the tag and an RBI for Segura 4-1 Philadelphia Carl Ravage with a call on ESPN Radio Phillies hang on 7-6 for the victory as they beat the Braves in game one remember every game of the baseball postseason right here on ESPN Radio and it's NHL opening night Rangers host Toronto ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Hour number two of the Drive brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care. 
with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840 on the drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. As always, big shout-out to everybody at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They sponsor the podcast of the show. You can find that by searching for The Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform, or go to RadioAlabama.net and find the Podcast Center on the ESPN 106.7 tab, and you can listen to podcasts of the show that way. That's all presented by Southeastern industrial contractors we're about to get to the kia of auburn hotline but in case you're just getting off work let's update you on uh the division series in major league baseball which got underway today first game of the day the atlanta braves uh the national league east champs hosting the philadelphia phillies who uh, swept the St. Louis Cardinals in the wild card series, one of the wild card series. The Phillies jumped out to a big lead, hung on, and beat the Braves 7-6. to six. So they lead it uh, best of five, one game to none. Seattle, likewise, jumping out to a big lead over ju- uh, uh, on Justin Verlander and the Houston Astros. And uh, that is now a 6-3 Mariners lead as the Astros bat in the bottom of the six. Disappointing start for Max Fried, who had been sensational in the 2022 regular season for the Braves. Eight hits, six runs, four of them earned. I believe... Uh, he, two, he made a very costly error himself. He made the error on the uh, on the JT Real Muto uh, in, infield uh, infield hit, uh, sorry, or infield uh, uh, dribbler. Uh, I'll throw in one of my little... Uh, this is one of my you, things. I know where you're going to go. I, I have always yeah. felt that pitchers' yep. errors should count as earned runs. They should not count as unearned runs. It's a rule you'd change, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because that pitcher, it's the pitcher's fault We got other that stuff. he made the error. I know, I know, I know. We, no, 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 I know we, we, we could do a rule you'd always change. You know the rule I would change in football? Or the rule I would change in sports? I don't like players fouling out in basketball. I think that star players you want to just uh, give give extra free throws. I think, or, I think it's I think it's a technique. I think do it like you, text. Uh-huh. You, you make it strategic for the coach. You you say you want to play that player so badly. Uh, every time they commit a foul from now on, it's, it's going to be, be possession and yeah. free throws. If you want to run the risk of having them out there, yeah, but I give, like that. But give I coaches like good, give coaches that option. I heard Phil, right. heard Phil Jackson say that once, and I, and I think he's absolutely right. And and then uh, Jason and I have talked about this one for years. I want uh, I want NCAA athletes to get five years. Don't worry about oh, yeah. redshirt. Just five years from the time time they enroll, they've got five years they can participate in, and as much as they as they can in five. Especially now, if you got players backing out of seasons right. because they want to preserve their own right. redshirt. Don't year. worry about that. Just keep playing. You can still help the team even if you're going to leave. All right, three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's get to the uh, Kia of Auburn hotline, and Daniel gets the start of this hour. Hey, Daniel. Hey guys, I uh, I kind of want to change directions just for a moment from from our Tigers and, and all the buzz. Um, good luck to them this week, by the way. But um, I didn't know if you guys saw it, but last night, last night, speaking of rules, game, oh boy, <laughs> there was a great game, um, and it started to get close right before half, and so, uh, but there was a there was a call. And it was a roughing passer call on Chris Jones. Yep. Uh, so, great, great, great uh, SEC player himself. Um, had That's two days in a row where there's been more than a questionable roughing the passer call. Is, is this, and I don't want to cut you off, we're, we're going to let you finish. Is this a response to how they botched the Tua thing? 
Is this all? Is this is this an overreaction by the NFL to the to the to the catastrophic failure of letting Tua keep playing and then go out there four days later and play again? And so now they're going overboard protecting quarterbacks to try to uh, to try to uh, uh, retroactively uh, fix what what can't be fixed with with what happened earlier this year with the Dolphins quarterback. That's my suspicion because of of some of the terrible roughing the passer calls we've seen the last couple of weeks in the NFL post Tua. It's uh, you know the 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 really bad one on on Tom Brady on Sunday and then last night. I mean, what are you supposed to do? If 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 for everyone listening, this was this was practically the best defensive play I've maybe ever seen by a defensive lineman. It was beautiful mm-hmm. as the, as Derek Carr was bringing the ball behind him. He had not thrown it yet. Keep it in mind, he was bringing it behind him. Um. Jones gets the ball out of his hands and then continues with his momentum to not really tackle, but no, fall he just fell on it. They just fell together and he happened to be behind him, so he was falling on him. It was it was a great defensive play. The crazy thing is, and I, I, I do ask Brielle's opinion on it, but crazy thing is that same referee that called it actually doubled down on his call in his opinion. And I just think that's ludicrous. I think that's I crazy. I agree. Um, well, they've made they've so. tried to make over the last couple of years protecting quarterbacks like a priority, and and getting some of the more violent uh, hits that we've seen quarterbacks taking. You know, tr- trying to trying to find ways to make the position safer. At the same time, there's a way to go overboard doing that, where you start penalizing what are what are pretty simple football plays. And I think that the the two questions people have is: Is this at the directive of the NFL? Is is there some sort of it, has there been an extra emphasis on specifically on roughing the passer this year? And the other question would be, is it because or, or has it happened since the Tua Tonga-Bailoa situation earlier this year? There's a report, I think ESPN reported earlier this earlier today, that, uh, that there's going to be some talk uh, in the NFL's uh, competition committee. Uh, you know, both both I guess after the season and maybe even during the season about reevaluating these roughing the passer calls because you're right, it has become maybe the story of the NFL after the first couple of weeks of the season. It's crazy as an Auburn fan. You know, we have or we had we had our guy. We we had our claim to fame in the NFL with Cam, and oh, I can't he, name another quarterback that was banged up. That was oh, he could not get. No, you're right. It. He could not get a roughing. The passer call just and and it seemed like well he's so big let him hit him and there was a I think it was the game after Cam played in the Super Bowl where the Panthers were like the season opener in prime time and he just maybe it was against your Steelers Drew where where it was just, I mean he took hit after hit after hit I mean Cam Newton would have, would have been uh, the yeah. the season opener that against the Steelers rough. where it was, I mean he he was just it was remarkable how without a single call and it was a question of I mean even 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 got to some you know some uncomfortable areas of is it because of Cam Newton's uh, profile is it because of Cam Newton's race you know things like that as to as to why he wasn't being protected like some other quarterbacks in the league by the officials but but now it does seem quarterback wide right it, it's not you know it it doesn't seem like it's a, it, as much of a question of one player not being protected but the the entire position being maybe overprotected uh, by the uh, by the officials in the NFL. Crazy, absolutely crazy. Oracle guys, appreciate the call, Daniel. And and hey, we had uh, and we're pro safety too. It's not oh, like, absolutely, oh, you know, absolutely. So, yeah. But it, it is a contact game. Uh, at least, at least right now, it still there's, is. Well, there's a, I heard there's, a caller. There's a medium right between yes. you know, where where it used to be and and where maybe it is. At All the right. Moment. So so um, we had a caller ask um, if I heard some of. 
via the Max Roundtable today. And I, yeah, I had I always have it on. Uh, I don't get to listen to everything because, I mean, I have other things that I have to be checking. But, I mean, it's great having it on. I did hear a caller, and I couldn't tell, and I still, I, I've got to ask Doug this on Thursday because he sounded very, he sounded as serious as could be. His, he, he was proposing, and the way Doug was reacting, I think he was serious. He was proposing in all seriousness that the quarterback, if he's touched within five yards of the line of scrimmage, the play's dead. And it's like, oh, that's not football then. Yeah. That's not football if you're you know, going to do that. I, I may have misspoken a little bit earlier because, because there is, there is a question as to preferential treatment with preferring the passer because now I think some folks are wondering if, uh, it, you know, and we were talking about it with Cam Newton. I think some folks are wondering if there are calls that just a Tom Brady or a Patrick Mahomes right. or mm-hmm. one, you know, the, the Aaron Rodgers is and the, the, the guys that look to be no doubt about it, surefire Hall of Famers, former Super Bowl champions. There are a handful of them playing quarterback in the NFL right now. And, uh, th- there is, there is also a question of are hits being penalized against those players that are not being penalized when a, to a Tonga Vailoa or a you know a, a quarterback who isn't uh, at the you know in, in the in the upper echelon of the the greatest at at the position you know in the position's history uh, when when someone like that is the is the player getting tackled maybe maybe they're less uh, the, the referees are, are a little more reluctant uh, to throw a flag which also doesn't seem fair right like Tom Brady shouldn't be getting uh, he, and I understand that there there is. Uh, the Jordan rules and stuff like that, but uh, Tom Brady shouldn't be getting uh, roughing the passer call just because he's tackled. When, no, when other, no, when no, you're right. Like, you're right. Like, again, like I understand safety, but uh, but make sure it's it's not uh, being uh, you know it's it's not unequal and 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 tilted towards uh, the legends currently playing the sport. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Susan is up next. Hey, Susan. Hey guys, how are you? Doing fine. Good. It was. Hard game to watch on Saturday. I had to turn it off a couple times, but uh, it was great watching that OU Texas game. That Quinn Ewers <laughs> boy was a quarterback. Yeah, uh, that was something happy. But anyway, um, <coughs> I hear everybody talking about Hugh Freeze. I, I don't think Doctor Roberts needs to make a mistake. I think we need to really get somebody that's proven and no baggage. I mean, he might be a great recruiter. He might be everything, but if something happened. We've had way too much controversy. That is a huge, yeah. That that is a that is a huge cloud that is uh, over that would be overhead. You're right. And I mean, I'm not saying that people can't change their ways oh, no. or anything like that. But I think we're not in a position to take a chance right now. Um, you know, I think Matt Rule again. Baylor and the Big Twelve is completely different than the SEC. Right. Completely different. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad glad you brought that up because you're from Texas. You were much closer. Yes, I, am. I really haven't I haven't watched that closely just from afar. Uh, he, right. He's done an amazing job at a couple of perennial losers and turned them. Well, Baylor right. wasn't perennial loser, but they were really in terrible shape when he took over. Right. I'm from Southlake, Texas, where you know Quinn right. and then uh, you know uh, McElroy went. So I'm you know we're pretty familiar with what's going on in this area. But at the end of the day, I said the Big 12 is completely different. And to compare a Big 12 coach to an SEC coach, no. You need somebody that's been in that conference. And Brian Harson was an assistant at Texas, and he did mis- mm-hmm. He was horrible there. They did not like him. I think he was only there for like a year. One year. That's right. So, yeah. And I think we need to really be bending it out and getting somebody that has SEC ties. 
whether it's Matt Rule. I mean, I think he might be a great coach. Who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. now do you, now Susan, I'm, I'm going to jump in. Do you, do you mean SEC ties as a head coach, or would you accept SEC ties as an assistant in this situation? I would. I probably. I, I probably would take an assistant. I mean, look at Kirby. Again, I want somebody that knows the area and can recruit. Right now, we are we are in a, 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 a mess. And again, with Matt Rule, he could get the Texas kids to come because I will be honest with you, Alabama is over here kicking our butt. Oh, you're right. With these Texas kids, Auburn doesn't even come out here. Nothing. And the only reason they might, the kids all want to go there is because I we all went there. And it's just different. But you've got to you've got to come here to Texas and recruit. You've got to recruit nationwide, and that's where Nick Saban's been a lot better than we have. And same with Kirby. That's my two cents worth, guys. But thank you for taking my call. Appreciate the call, Susan. Uh, I mean, I do. I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, I, I don't know enough. Maybe Matt Rule would be would be a great hire. I mean, like I said, he's he's really done a tremendous job. I don't know his recruiting philosophy, uh, but I mean, a lot of that would depend, like I've said about everyone, on the staff that they hire. You you better have a staff that really has, um, there better be an awful lot of contacts in the southeast. There's so much talent within a couple of hundred miles of Auburn. I'm not disagreeing that, oh, it'd be great to get some players from nationwide, but you'd better start within, I'd say, 300 miles uh, and and try to compete for every good player there then see what any contacts you have outside that area could help get you right I think we were talking on uh, I think it was yesterday's show about the you know what would be prioritized what you'd like to see prioritized not in specific people but just sort of characteristics you know mm-hmm. what you think they could be looking for and more than in years past I wonder if recruiting needs to be emphasized in this coaching search, or at least the coach needs to have a real track record as a recruiter because I wonder about the state of the roster going into next season. Oh, you, you have isn't. to. And, and if you get a brilliant tactician or someone with an offense that's had a track record, but the coach himself doesn't have a track record as a recruiter, you wonder if you could be stepping into a situation where and, and I know Josh Heupel disproves this to an extent because Josh Heupel didn't have a huge recruiting track record. He goes to, from, in, into a Tennessee situation. Yeah, but, but, but he was in the Southeast. He was in the Southeast. He had a ton of players from the state of Florida. Right. And, and I would just think that if it's not emphasized and you go get someone because they've, they've succeeded and as you a you don't college. think Central Florida had to be keeping an eye on any player that might be entering the transfer portal, right. hoping they could get them, and they have done a great job in the transfer portal. Let me Let me say... Uh, maybe a better way of describing what I think is the most important thing for Auburn to get as a head coach, and that is someone who understands and is very good at building relationships with players, high schools, and the fan base. And with that means with the the very heavy hitters of the fan base you've got to understand the dynamics of the of of the southeastern conference and that is yes a great recruiter is somebody who builds great relationships but i don't i don't think you could just have somebody who only goes into the high schools and ignores the fan base uh, and and that is what i keep hearing as a description of Lane Kiffin, that he's got nothing to do. 
He's not he's not into any functions or any alumni groups or having any boosters bother him. He's like, leave him the blank alone. But he's going to go out and evaluate. He's a very good evaluator and going to bring in the talent, and he's going to coach him, and he is a fantastic, fantastic offensive coach. But he doesn't seem doesn't seem very interested in wasting his time with the the, the folks that have that that, that are just uh, I, the the fan base. I can understand kicking the tires on Lane Kiffin and ga- oh, gauging I, his interest. I, I mean, I, 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 I agree. Like, I, and, and I I understand. If I just don't know if that's choice. a fit here. You know, you know what I keep I keep wondering about too. And I asked you about this before the show. If if Lane Kiffin were to put up back to back ten plus win seasons at Ole Miss. And demolish Auburn on Saturday, as mm-hmm. I think some folks think might happen. Um, the optics of then choosing to abandon ship on something that's rolling as as you know something that's going as as swimmingly as the Ole Miss thing, and we'll see how it ends up. I mean, they they could they could fall apart at the end of the season, and this doesn't become a concern. They can make the playoff, and this this is completely. I mean, because if they, I mean, if if they, if I've they got one for winning, you. I mean, I, I, you asked me. What would that be like? Yeah, what, what would it be and, like? And I said, I don't think the I think the Ole Miss people would would lose their minds. Um, but I said, I, I'm thinking it would be sort of like what if Wisconsin uh, went and got PJ Fleck? Yeah, is it like Mullen jumping to Florida? Is yeah, it like, is it yeah. Like, is it Dan? I mean, it is. Lane, Lane Kiffin wasn't an assistant, you know, winning is. a national champion here, but is it? It's it's similar in that regard to it is. So it's, it's not. It's a, it's I, I don't think it's. I don't yeah. think it's something unprecedented. Now, again, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I would definitely be interested in in uh, seeing what Lane Kiffin has yep. to say. I just don't know that that's really. It it doesn't seem right now like that would be a great fit. But man, it would be exciting to think about what he could do. Yeah, I just, I just with wonder, the talent. You know, like Jason said. Man, he couldn't be more excited about somebody on a Saturday, on right. Saturday, on game day. Yeah, I mean, he he is a he he is someone who yeah, I mean, he's he's provided excitement and and energy to that program after uh, doing the same thing at FAU after leaving Alabama. I um I I wonder you know what he wants and, and what he what he's looking for and if he if he feels like he can he can achieve some of those goals at Ole Miss is he really up for leaving and. Uh, if, if he if he is looking to leave, yeah, what's he what's he looking for in his uh, in his next job? I, I I just wonder. I mean, I've I've talked to a couple of people who say Lane is approaching right now the status of the best ever without any question at Ole Miss. It would take more than a couple of good years at Auburn for him to be. To be considered in that category. That's what I wonder. I wonder if he's interested in building a legacy at Ole Miss. Is there another college job he's got his eye on someday, and he's waiting for that? To I open think. Up? I think the NFL is the NFL. So I think it's the waiting, NFL. Is he, waiting for, is he waiting to win a lot in college? And then Jerry Jones is going to call him and offer yep. him a ton of money or something like that, or a, a, you know, a, a California, you know, the San Francisco 49ers or something like that. You know, could uh, could, could want him? I, I don't know. Um, I could see why it could be a really tough sell for as as many resources that Auburn has. You know, if Auburn puts up uh, uh, the kind of year that could get Brian Harson fired, it could be a really tough sell to poach an SEC coach who has it rolling the way Lane Kiffin has it rolling right now. Maybe they can do it, and and, and if he's the first choice, you know, maybe they'll want to do it and go that way. I could also understand why there, there'd be things sort of keeping you, depending on what Lane Kiffin wants, uh, there, mm-hmm. there could be things keeping him uh, from, from taking that job. We'd love for you to join in. We've got a uh, about ten more minutes before we'll check in with Jake Crane. So we'll get to our first break here in hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. 
Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, 25 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Tuesday. And let's get right back to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. And Brett is up first. Hey, Brett. Hey, guys. Uh, Dan, tell you what. I'm uh, taking any and all bets, anybody, that's anybody who wants to bet that uh, Ole Miss is going to be in the college football playoffs. I'll take them all. Oh, one this, by one, this year ten by ten. So you're 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 taking Ole Miss to be in the playoff? No, I am taking. Oh, okay. them. I am saying they will not be in the oh, playoff. I, I don't this think year. they will either. And they're not going. I mean, their schedule so far is abysmal. They're going to score points I mean, on on a lot of people. They're going to. I, I still, yeah, I'm still definitely Missouri on their defense. I mean, I think they could go ten and two this season. Oh, I think I, so too. I, I think that you know they're going to need to beat Alabama in the regular season in Oxford to uh, to to make the the SEC championship game. Probably not going to happen unless. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess Alabama could you know experience you know Tennessee. Rice whatever, gets but, knocked out again this week yeah, and done yeah, for the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, I, I, they I, may lose but, a couple. But of no, games. I, I understand yeah. your skepticism. Do you, what, what about my larger point, Brett, about how it might be tough to pry a coach? Uh, from a situation where he's got things rolling at Ole Miss, if if things are in fact not rolling at at Auburn, what, try, trying to lure him what, away. Well, Dan, I've already weighed on that, weighed in on that last week. Uh, to me, it, the only thing that will stop that from happening is money. Hmm. But uh, there, there'll never be a day that Auburn can have a good coach who can recruit that can't out recruit a coach at Ole Miss. The, the, their stadium's twenty thousand shy. But he can be at all. He can be at Auburn and have Bruce Pearl all over ESPN, November, December, and January. Slap dab all over the place and be right there with him. Um, there's just so many reasons. I mean, Auburn's opening a new football facility, brand new. He moves into that. Um, Auburn has a lot bigger, a lot bigger fan base. It's a bigger university. Um, the, the, there's nothing, and, and I certainly don't see Lane Kiffin saying, man, you know what? Oxford is where I want to lay down roots. Yeah, I could see him staying there for a few more years, but I, I don't, I don't see him staying there possible. forever. No, possible, I agree. Possible. But I mean, I mean, as far as the best ever woman, no, I mean, he, he's not, he'll never reach the state as far as production that Vault did, but my God, I mean, lately, I've been coming up to Auburn games since 69. I mean, there's not a whole lot of uh, competition for him since 69. Oh, no, you're right. And as a matter of fact, I was looking uh, looking today, and, uh, you know, Auburn hasn't lost in Oxford since 2012. Matter of fact, they've only lost in Oxford three times in history. You realize those three times were 1992, 2008, 2012. What do those years have in common? Those were not great. Those were not great years for Auburn. Auburn changed yeah. coaches at the end of every one of those years. Anytime Ole Miss has ever beaten Auburn and Oxford, Auburn's changed coaches. I, I guess my point, Brett, would be like I I understand completely why folks are of the opinion that Lane Kiffin should be the first choice for Auburn if they make this coaching change, and, and he should be the guy that that you know check checks the most boxes. For for whatever reason, 
I wouldn't be as surprised as some other people if Lane Kiffin wanted to stay at Ole Miss and keep his options open moving forward. Like I, I guess that, and, and maybe you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong, right? When when Auburn goes and lands him, but like I, I guess I get that feeling of like I, I don't know if it's a slam dunk as well. All you have to do is offer it, and you're, you're going to be able to get him away. Oh, now, I, I'm not saying for sure he would come to Auburn right now, but I'm saying if it's between being at Auburn and being at Ole Miss for a long time, he, he chooses Auburn every time. Now, if he's holding on or, you know, holding out for some other job that he thinks he's got a shot at, sure, sure he could do that. I mean, uh, I'll be honest, I, I don't think Auburn would be where Lane Kiffin would want to settle down for 15 years either. No, I, I, I th- he, yeah. He's not a... He's not a small town university guy. No, you're, you're you're right, Brett. You're does, right. Does hey, the expansion of the oh, we're way behind you. Yeah, we've got to run. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's does fine. The, oh, you know, actually, so so does the does the expansion of the playoff change this at all? To the fact that now you have more pa- I mean, what that 12, you might be able to get Ole Miss in. Yeah, I mean, because it, it might you know just just the notion that you know now that you're gonna have twelve teams in the playoff in a couple of years like that might um, that might keep maybe someone, that might keep someone might. at a job they otherwise would have left. Yeah, in the, I, in I the think past. It might. There's, I mean, I don't know, just just another thing, you know things I'm wondering about. While I I do I I think that Brett's points about uh, why uh, a coach would would prefer to be at Auburn versus Ole Miss, I think are all. You know they're all well taken, and, and he's absolutely right. But but I also can't can't shake that that sneaking suspicion that it's not the slam dunk some other folks think it is. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Sure, if you get a chance, you call us back in a little while. But we're going to talk with Jake Crane of Crane and Company when we come back here on the Tuesday Drive. Some more yardage on the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and once again, we're going to head to the Kia of Auburn hotline and welcome in our regular Tuesday afternoon guest, and that, of course, is Jake Crane from Crane & Company. Jake, how are you doing today? Man, guys, I'm doing great. appreciate you all having me back. Jake, it's always great to talk to you, even in the aftermath of a game like the one we saw on Saturday between Auburn and Georgia. And we're going to talk a lot about Auburn uh, in the uh, in the segment. But there's been... I was going to say one thing. Now, you're no longer residing in the state of Georgia, so so that's got to be good, at least not to be there after that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's almost to this point, it's inevitable. I mean, you kind of knew what was going to happen. You, you know who Auburn is and what they've shown, and uh, Georgia hadn't played great uh, the past two weeks. I didn't think Georgia played very well early, to be honest with you, but they just had better players pretty much at, at every position. And 
uh, talent over time equals that result. But, uh, yeah, not being in the state of Georgia does make it a little bit easier. Nobody <laughs> barked at me. What do you tell people who maybe aren't as familiar with, with the Southeast and the state of Georgia? What do you tell people when, when they wonder how Kirby Smart has has built Georgia into what, what it's become uh, in these last couple of seasons? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it starts with, with not only the talent in state, which we know is really rich, but they have some of the best coaching in high school as well, and, and that's not just football. You look at the state of Georgia per capita, I think it might be the state with the most talent. Uh, obviously, it's you know per capita is not as big as California and Texas, but uh, through baseball, basketball, and football, I mean, heck, you, you look at the way they've recruited in state. That's, Georgia's always been a big state for Auburn. We know how talented that, uh, they are in the football arena. In baseball, East Cobb and uh, that area is one of the hottest baseball beds. It's a really hot baseball state. And then basketball, hell, just look Ooh, at Bruce Pearl's yeah. sign. That, that'll tell you what you need to know. Yeah, it, it, I do wonder if... It's it's not a coincidence that you've seen as Georgia gets their choice or, or, or increasingly gets their choice of the best talent in the state. You've also sort of seen a reversal of fortune, not just at Auburn, but also at South Carolina. And I know Clemson's getting some of these players, too. But when you look... Well, Auburn, it's critical for Auburn, though. Auburn used yeah. to get about 40% of their players from Georgia. Well, yeah, I mean, Auburn's basically in Georgia. I mean, you have to... Georgia and the state of Georgia and Mobile... Uh, even though Auburn doesn't win Mobile a lot, those have been two areas where when Auburn's had success, that's when they've had their best teams. Right, and then Spurrier was winning with a lot of Georgia talent on those teams before Kirby Smart showed up, and yeah. a lot of those players are wearing Georgia colors now, like the players that, that Spurrier had been getting in, in years past leading up to uh, uh, to, to, to Kirby mm-hmm. taking over at, at Georgia. But no, they, they look, uh, uh, they look, they look uh, pretty, pretty sharp, even with the slow start that you saw. And I think with that, uh, Bill, you want to pivot to more of the Auburn. Uh, well, issues from... let, let's let's get a couple of thoughts on a couple of the other okay. ball games from last week. I mean, you had uh, uh, Texas A and M really was able to take advantage of the fact that there was no Bryce Young for Alabama, <laughs> nearly pull it, nearly pull it off, but but they didn't. Then you had a couple of blowout wins by the Mississippi schools on another uh, crazy week in the SEC. Yeah, well, you know, A and M was able to hang around due to Alabama's mistakes. And, and look, A and M, especially on the defensive side, they, they got some guys that can really run. Uh, I, I thought A and M played about as well in the front seven. You know, getting after the offensive line, rushing the passer. I know Jalen Milrow. Now, you know, the funny thing is, I know Jalen Milrow is the backup. There's a lot of places Jalen Milrow would start. The thing is, him and Bryce Young are, are totally different quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jalen's at a different uh, level of development right now than Bryce is, but he's still. I mean, you you. It, the offense is a little bit more basic, but but the added adding run element that Bill O'Brien's able to use, you saw, you've seen a little bit of some of the stuff Deshaun Watson did with the Texans when they asked him to run from the quarterback run game a little bit there with O'Brien. Uh, but no, I, look, it, the call at the end, you know, I, I feel like you got to get something that pushes pushes the ball toward the end zone or get Haynes on the move, turn into an RPO, run a pick play, see if you can get away with it. Uh, I thought the last call was was you know it left Bad. a lot to, uh, left a lot to be desired. Yeah, it seems really clear right now that there are teams trending in one direction in the SEC at least this season, and teams trending in the other direction in the SEC this season. Maybe there's a couple of teams on the fence, but for the most part, you've got teams that are really excited about the way things are going and really excited about the future, and you got teams that are sort of looking at basketball season and wondering when it uh, when when it could get started. And, and maybe uh, yeah. I mean I mean South Carolina. With with the win on on Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, year two for Shane Beamer. I know there's you know there's well, Will Levis uh, is, is a big part hey, of that Kentucky. Hey, having your having your starting quarterback yeah. is proven to be a yeah. pretty big deal. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, Kentucky. We talked about it. That losing Wondell Robinson, they they're not a very explosive offense anyway. You know, you did get Chris Rodriguez back, who's 
well, one of the best running backs in the country. He's like a bowling ball full of knives when he's rolling at you. But they don't really have a bunch of big playmakers on the outside. Or uh, the young T. Robinson kid's going to be a really good player, but he's just not ready to take that role yet. Has the South Carolina just waited him out? Now it does help when you make the mistakes that Kentucky made early. I mean, you run a reverse on the first play, play and pitch it into a defensive guy who then takes it to the two. You know, gave South Carolina some early momentum. Uh, Kentucky just couldn't move the ball consistently. They had no passing game. You know, I was waiting to look up there and see Eddie Grant in the booth again. Well, Kentucky and, and, and you know, I, I had forgotten about the Mark Stoops and uh, Shane Beamer uh, stupid sunglasses yeah. thing. But Shane Beamer clearly did not forget about that remark from Media Days and posted what I thought was a delightful video uh, from uh, from South Carolina social media folks about the uh, postgame celebration with the uh, with the dancing and the uh, and, and the soldier boy. And now Kentucky uh, doesn't get any easier. You you host Mississippi State, you know one of the one of the four or five hottest teams yeah. in the SEC right now. Will Rogers may maybe the SEC Offensive Player of the Year if you had to vote right now? With all due respect yeah. to Hendon Hooker and Jameer Gibbs and some of these other players, I mean, what's uh, what's Mike Leach got going on there in Starkville? Well, you know, it's a couple things. One, I think you still got to give it to Hendon Hooker, especially if, if Tennessee were to beat Alabama. I mean, they're putting themselves in position uh, to do some big things. But guys, I mean, Mississippi State, the only game they lost to LSU, they gave them the game. Yep. You dropped four to five huge passes. You dropped a punt late in the game that kept LSU in it, was able to give them some momentum, and they went on a roll. So Mississippi State, in reality, and I know if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, but they could be undefeated right now and, and close to top ten in the country. They're an experienced team, and they haven't had the injury bug bite. That's what they had to have happen. But the biggest difference I think you're seeing is that Mike Leach is running the ball a little bit more. All these defenses, and like they normally do, they say, all right, you're going to play the air raid. We're just going to keep everything in front. We're going to give you a light box, and we're going to dare you to run the ball. Well, in the past, he wouldn't take the bait. Now he's running the ball, but they're having success, which is Mm -hmm. funny because they had Charles Cross drafted last year uh, in the first round at at a left tackle, and they're getting more out of the run game this year. I mean, they had a 100-yard rusher in the first two, three games for the first time in a long time. So I think Mike is evolving a little bit. We always say on the show as a coach, if you're not evolving, you're dissolving. Just because something's worked for a while doesn't mean it's going to work forever. And I think you're seeing Mike Leach, while keeping his main principles, do a really good job of, of kind of giving, letting you know the quarterback take what the defense has given him. And Will Rogers realizes that. I mean, it's year, it feels like 15 for him in this offense. Uh, but you look at them against Kentucky, I know it's on the road, but I don't know how they're going to score enough points. Their defense is good, but it's not good to, to keep Mississippi State under 24 uh, points for the game. And I don't see the way they're going to score 24 because Zach Arnett, we can talk about Mike Leach in the offense, but Zach Arnett on the defensive side is one of the best young DCs in the country. Yeah, they're 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 much better than a lot of people realize over there on that side of the ball. I'm with you on on that ball game up in Lexington. You mentioned Alabama, Tennessee this weekend. Uh, you know, we we don't know. I think Bryce Young plays. I think if Bryce yeah. Young doesn't play, Tennessee wins and probably covers. Yeah, you know, I I just I, I'm with you, Bill. I think Bryce Young plays. Uh, I, I think he's going to go out there uh, if Jay, if. You know, Milrow does go out there. I think he can do some things against this Tennessee defense, but I don't think they'll be able to score enough because Tennessee's probably going to score. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest thing for Tennessee is I think this team actually doesn't have to play the best game of their lives and have Alabama play bad to win this game, even if Bryce plays. If Tennessee goes out there and they're able to get that first first down to go into that new three-down set to give the defense some rest, uh, and they're able to, to jump on Bama a little bit early, this is a team I can see that's good enough to just beat you because of the players they have. But the biggest question, they just had a safety that was picked up for an aggravated assault charge, something right. like that over there. They're trying to sort out who was their most experienced safety. And then you had your best corner 
Burrell go out against Pittsburgh. They've had some other guys come in and step up, but going against Alabama, Tyler Harrell's back, the Louisville transfer. That's their vertical threat to take it over the top. These young receivers are growing. JoJo Earl's back. We've seen Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield, not only running but catching. Uh, so Alabama's probably going to score some points. Uh, they just got to try and uh, I think it's going to be a shootout, guys. I really think it is. Jake, Tennessee should have been buried after the Jeremy Pruitt stuff 18 months ago. And sure the, felt like it. And the, yeah. fact, the fact that they're not is a testament to Josh Heupel. Uh, what what is what has gone right for him? What's special well, yeah. about Josh Heupel, and and what uh, and and how has Tennessee avoided what I think a lot of people thought would be a long drought in the aftermath of, of the Jeremy Pruitt termination? Well, you've got to take your hat off to the compliance department over at Tennessee. They're the reason that they didn't get hit so much. They self-reported instantly. They terminated the head coach with cause. They terminated the assistants. They did everything that they could by the book, and you caught the NCAA at a good time. You know what I'm saying? The NCAA right now is kind of like an old cop that's getting ready to retire. You're going five miles over the speed limit. He's probably not going to pull you over. It's your first defense on, oh, you stole a pack of cigarettes from the gas station. He's probably not going to charge you with a felony. I feel like that's the way the NCAA is right now. They're like, listen, you don't do that again. But I don't want to take the time to fill out the paperwork because I'm tired of this and we're about to get out of here. It helps when you uncover the violations yourself because you're trying to fire the coach. That's true. Oh, without a doubt. Look, look, sometimes, you know, it makes you think, uh, is, has there ever been a time where, like, an athletic department or compliance department is staged, like, something that a coach did? And then you think, wait, you remember the Auburn and Brian Harson situation? <laughs> and then there's also, uh, well, I guess what, we got LSU Florida? Eh, whatever. Yeah, I don't care about talking about that one. I mean, we've only got so much more time. I'd, I'd, I'd rather get into it. I mean, because I, I just don't see any way. Um, that, that, that Auburn can score. I mean, um, I don't know how good the Ole Miss defense is, but I know what the Auburn offense is. Yeah, I, I mean, look, guys, I mean, I, like I said, I'd love to come on here and be like, listen, this is what Auburn has to do. Auburn, in reality, has to get lucky. Like, I, that's what it's come down to. You got to hope Ole Miss plays really bad. Uh, the offensive line is going to continue to be bad because they're not good players. And I don't say that out of malice or that I don't like them. I'm sure they're, they're great people. I'll get in a flight that Nick, Nick Brahms is driving. I'll pilot in. I trust the guy. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're just not good at playing football. Like, I don't know another way to put it. You lost Echo Leota. That, that's going to continue to hurt you later in games with a pass rush. And with Ole Miss, they're going to find ways to score. Lane always does. I just don't see how Auburn's going to be balanced on offense. I, I don't see it. Uh, I don't think Ole Miss will score 50 on Auburn's defense, but I just don't see a way in which Auburn's able to move the ball, and then when they do get down in the red zone, when the field shrinks, the options shrink. And, and, and uh, yeah, I'm not saying the offensive line is, is good by any means, but Auburn is, is unable to run the ball less, than they've, less than, than, than they've been able to in decades. I mean, I'm thinking back to 1998 when Look, Auburn Bill, had Bill. Rusty Williams and Markeith Cooper was the last time Auburn couldn't run the ball like they can't now. Like, if you go back and watch the tape, I mean, Auburn has a mid-level, like like a mid-level group of five offensive line. A lot of them are big, but they either can't move, they're waist benders, or, or they have no punch. They're not physical. But if you kind of look at the way Auburn's offensive linemen are built, they don't look – look at the way the teams that win offensive linemen are built. But look at how they're big, they're athletic. Some of them are massive, but they can move and they're big enough to take advantage of it. Auburn just doesn't have that. You don't. I'm sorry. The players aren't good enough. And that was a problem under Gus. Gus, that wasn't that isn't something new to Brian Harson. Auburn was struggling recruiting offensive linemen. That's why the gap has gotten so wide in between Auburn and Georgia and Alabama and Auburn is because they're getting all the linemen. And Auburn, you may have a tank, Bigsby. That's great. You may sign a five-star wide receiver. That's great. 
but you can't run the ball because you can't block. You struggle zone blocking, you struggle blocking gap scheme, and people say, oh, well, that's not Brian Harson's fault. Yes, it is. He's the head coach. You're in charge of personnel. You had a whole year in the transfer portal, and you didn't fix it. Who from the transfer portal did you get on the offensive line? You whiffed on every quarterback. Your best option is Robbie Ashford right now. So at the end of the day, you're in charge of the personnel. And in the transfer portal, it's been long enough. You haven't done it. That's why you're going to be shown the door. That's one of the reasons. And then you don't want to do NIL. That's like trying to sell lemonade and not having cups. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, that just, it doesn't work. You just need to go to a place where the milk can get brought to you, like a Boise State. Some guys are meant to be jung- in the jungle. Some guys are meant to be house cats. Talking with Jake Crane from Crane & Company here on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. And so, Jake, uh, I guess it's fair to say that, that when, when and if uh, Auburn makes a uh, – I'm trying to be diplomatic about it, Jake uh, – <laughs> when, when Auburn makes a, a coaching yeah. change uh, that the uh, – uh, both recruiting and maybe more specifically recruiting the line of scrimmage will need to be an emphasis of whoever takes over? Yeah, yeah. Ask, ask Jake what we've been talking about. It's like what is your, uh, pri- your first priority – for Auburn's next football coach? Uh, you've got to get a guy that has recruiting ties and, and that is that hunts, that wants to hunt, that is that is willing to go out there and burn the candle at both ends like Saban does, like Kirby does, like Beamer does, like some of these other guys. you got to get, 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 a, uh, get a guy out there that understands that, that, that can go out there, and it's not going to be easy at first. You're not going to get all of them, but you're going to get some of them because Auburn's that good of a place. So you've got to get a guy that can bring a staff around him as well of great recruiters, guys that know what they're talking about from a ball standpoint, but great recruiters. That's why get, bringing in a guy like Hugh Freeze, who is the offensive coordinator, you really save yourself a position. Now you can go get a guy that may be a lot better recruiter than he is a quarterback coach because Hugh's going to take the quarterback and coordinate the offense. So uh, you've got to get a guy, like I said, that, that understands the lay of the land. That doesn't mean he has to be born in the South. He needs to have Southeastern ties, whether it's through knowing coaches, whether it's through coaching in the SEC. You can't bring another guy in here like Matt Rule who hadn't been in this fight because by the time you've learned what to do, you're already buried so far deep, you're, you're, you can't get out of it. Well, I was going to ask you in, in the uh, little bit of time we had left your thoughts on that because, I mean, there's been a lot of buzz about Matt Rule since the Panthers let him go. And no. Look, Matt Rule's a good coach. I think he'd be a pretty good fit at Nebraska. Number one, he got a $40 million buyout. That, that guy yeah. doesn't, want to, doesn't have to do anything, and I don't want to hire somebody with a, that is getting $40 million in the bank without having to do anything. Like you, you, to, me, to me, I think Matt Rule, he doesn't have a lot of ties in the Southeast, obviously, mm-hmm. from a rec- recruiting standpoint. I don't know how good of a staff he could put around him, and I don't think he would take the job anyway because of that buyout. So I don't think it's a good fit. I think he's a good coach. People forget he never beat a ranked team at Baylor. So before you go thinking, you know, and everybody say, oh, we brought Baylor back. No, he didn't. Art Riles did. Art Riles brought Baylor back. Matt Rule kind of got the second end of that a little bit. So he's a good coach, but I don't think he'd be the right fit at Auburn. Great stuff once again from our good friend Jake Crane at Crane & Company. Jake, let everybody know um, what, what they'll find, what you've got coming up, and, of course, how they can get it. Oh, yeah, man. Just go to YouTube, type in C-R-A-I-N and company. Uh, we've been talking a lot of Auburn, SEC, college football. we got Danny Cannell, Tom Luganville, John Brinkus from Sports Sciences coming on. Uh, so come check us out. We go live every morning, 6.30 to 8 Central. Uh, you can ask questions, uh, and we answer them literally on the show. Uh, we do it live. So come check us out. It's a good time. Sounds good, Jake. Thanks again, man. Have a great week. Y'all be good. Jake Crane joining us as he does every Tuesday. We need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive. 
with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final couple of minutes of the Tuesday Drive, and our thanks to uh, Jake Crane for joining us. Absolutely. If you missed any of Jake, catch the podcast presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. However you get your podcasts, uh, check out uh, The Drive on your favorite podcasting platform or uh, uh, go to RadioAlabama.net and check out the, uh, the podcast center. We're going to be on the road Friday. Uh, we're going to be uh, at Skybar doing oh, a show okay. downtown. Live, yeah, thanks uh, live. for reminding me. I'll always happy to do that, courtesy of Skybar and Bud Light next. And, Bill, I, I wanted to shout out... Uh, H&W Motor Company because they because they they bailed me out in a uh, in, in in a sticky situation involving my oh headlights. yeah yeah you 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 and, had you had some need yeah I had I had uh, four fog lights going on and they, and they really uh, they, they really helped me out and, and and cut me a deal so I wanted to uh, to say thanks and they do a great job too you're uh, you know they're, they're they're old friends of ours so uh, so yeah they're on, over on Columbus Parkway shout out to the guys at H and W uh, Patrick and everybody else for uh, for, for helping uh, helping me out there just about out of time here on the Tuesday edition of the drive. Uh, Jason Caldwell will be in with us in hour number one tomorrow. So look forward to that. But uh, we're out of time here on the Tuesday edition. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.